What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Uh, Are we on? Yep. Yeah, I'm, you on. I'm on now. Okay. I didn't initially have my headphones on when you first called in. Okay. Well, I had to replug mine like I always do. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what I'm going to uh, ask you is I've got, you know, here it is 44 degrees here. going to get up to maybe 50, and I've got sugar two to one and all of my hives is it okay to leave it in there or until it warms up and then dump it or should i just leave it and then so that's what i was gonna ask you well that would actually depend on what your average daytime temperatures are going to be it's going to be 50s all this week and i think monday it's supposed to get up in the 60s seven days from now monday yeah yeah Yeah, so right now in austin it looks like uh supposedly it's supposed to get up to 61 here today 57 on monday 61 on tuesday 60 wednesday 53 thursday 57 62 65 64 66 uh next wednesday it'll get up to 70 yeah, we're supposed to be in the mid fifties most this week. So yeah, I didn't so, figure it hurt anything really, but well, but see that that's the whole deal is the average daytime temperatures. You're not in theory by rule, um, you're not supposed to feed liquid if it's going to be below sixty degrees for your average daytime temperatures. And so for your outlook, the next seven to ten days, the mm-hmm. average temperature is not sixty degrees. Right. Yeah, but it's already in there. And if I open them up, I don't know what, to, uh, probably are we doing a show right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just kind of started off with questions. So we just kind of started off and went. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's not going to be too much below 60. So I don't know. I just, yeah, I've got two to one and all of them and it's thick. I usually make it a little more than two to one. And so I figure, well, you know, just leave it in there until, and then when I go in there to, uh, check them and pull the strips out Monday or two Wednesday next week, whenever, uh, I'll, uh, look and see if they've gone after it and if I uh, got sugar out and if they hadn't then dump it, I don't know. It's not supposed to, they're saying warmer than normal and drier than normal. So I'm figuring, well, they can dehydrate it pretty damned easy if it's drier than normal. Well, but the temperature, the ambient temperature also plays a big part in that too. Um, and the other thing is going to be adding the moisture to the colony inside the hive. So when they do have these cold spurts, um, for instance, tomorrow night, it is supposed to get down. Actually, tonight is supposed to We're get down. Yeah. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow. Yeah. Night. Yeah. It, it looked yeah, like it was going to be 28. Um, next time 
like either tonight or tomorrow night for us. So yeah. I figured for you guys, that would be probably as cold or colder. Yep. But when that, when that happens, they can't do anything except, you know, vibrate to generate that heat. And yep. that heat is going to have a lot of ad- additional moisture content to it. So as long as your hives are, are slanted a little bit at an angle, yeah. um, any are. of that condensation that does develop on the bottom of the inner cover will, you know, run towards one of the sidewalls instead of dripping straight down. That's yep. kind of the best case scenario there. Yep. Well, well, I hadn't checked over at Rick's. I filled them up Monday a week ago, and they were. I figured they probably used it all. All the rest of them did. The ones across the road, I checked them, and they were all good. And then I gave them extra extra half gallon. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was earlier this week. Yeah, when it was warm. And so I don't know. I've just well, here's see what happens. Here's the key question for you, though. Mm-hmm. How many of the colonies have you actually checked to see what their internal food stores are to know if you even need to be feeding or not? Once cross road, they <laughs> needed it. They okay. didn't need it. And then the hive that we robbed. Or we didn't rob that we took you the honey harvested off honey from <laughs> yeah harvested honey yeah robbed uh, always you know you rob a bee tree uh, but uh, uh, they you know then I put the Saracelf feeder on it and didn't notice that I had uh, the the inner cover was turned up and they had a hell of a robbing situation fix that and just noticed they hadn't taken a lot any of the sugar water and then when i told you that you said well it could be because they either got a lot of them killed or they just don't need it so i you know i don't know i didn't get it got too cold then to check them so uh we'll check them wednesday next week i guess see what's going on there if we lost a bunch of bees or lost a bunch of bees i reckon yeah, so you're the reason you're opening everything up to check them. Did you finally got your treatments in there? Yeah, yeah. And see, that's the other thing is this whole this next seven day no, period. Too cold. Yeah, you're right on the cusp of it being too cold. So no yeah. telling if the treatment's going to have the efficacy that it's supposed to with those lower temperatures. Yep, I know. I know all that, but uh, yeah. well your goal is then um the next day that it's warm enough that is past your treatment threshold window of of when Mm -hmm. the time frame is supposed to be Mm -hmm. open them up take out the strips but you need Mm -hmm. to check and see what their food stores are yep i will do all that you need to know yeah you need to know and then the ones that have that minimum 50 50 ratio Lock them down and don't open them up again and don't feed them again. They're done. Okay. Yeah, if they got fifty fifty, but if they don't, or do we? When do we put, feed them the fondant? Only if they absolutely need it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's the other in, thing. Look in February and see they need it. Then that's when we fed it last year. Right, exactly, and it's only if they absolutely need it. Like yeah. if they've still got you know multiple frames of capped food stores they don't need a solid sugar substitute yep so but again you got to open it up and and go in there and get that 
you know, have an idea of what that is. And when you do it, you need to take notes. Like you need to actually have your notebook out there and you need to take notes. Hive number one has five frames so that the next time you do go back out, you know, if you do like a midwinter check in January and then you do a late winter check in February, you need to be able to know this specific hive had five frames. Now it's got one or now it's got six. Like you got to know. So you need to take those notes because that's the only way that you're going to be able to tell who's maintaining, who's, you know, drastically lost it, things like that, and who to, who to watch for. So, but yeah, yeah, you can I go through cheat. and. And I can cheat too, because I got frozen deep frames of honey across the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you I'm can pull those and, and thaw them and then go put them into colonies. Yep. Um, yep. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. So one of the other things though, well, I guess most of your colonies are going to be overwintering in a single deep, aren't they? Yep, most of yeah. them are. Okay. Yeah, never mind then. So the liquid feed, mm-hmm. I would say if they haven't, well, if they haven't taken it, it's probably going to be crystallized by the time you yeah. get back out there. It's cold enough that it's going to probably turn into a solid chunk or it's going to have like a sheet of sugar ice looking thing across yep. the top of it. Um, but probably any of them that have not taken it whenever you get out there next time, it -hmm. probably just needs to come off because you're going to have, yeah, you're, you're going to have a few days where it looks like it jumps back up barely. I mean, it's going to be shoot for you guys. You're even all the way out to next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Wait. Yeah. Next Wednesday is not looking too bad that's 70 um but then it turns around and it looks like it goes back down you know it, mm-hmm. it goes back into the 60s and stuff so you're going to mm-hmm. be at that that kind of teeter-totter part where it's above 60 but not too far above 60 so your average mm-hmm. temperatures are still going to be above it um yep. if somebody is absolutely desperate and still needs the food stores then yes go ahead and feed them but again check everybody and stop feeding the ones that don't need it and then that'll I don't think anybody needs food stores as much as I've been feeding this year. <laughs> you never know. I mean, the, the only true, way you're too. ever going to know is to look. Yeah, that's true too. So, uh, hopefully we got rid of the map problem and they won't need as much food and yeah, well, we'll see. That's all we can do is, and, but I don't really want to get into the brood chambers, but I guess we got to check that too. And, and, uh, should I look? No, I shouldn't look for a queen because you ain't going to find, you're going to have to find the queen because there won't be no eggs or brood or larvae. It depends. Again, it depends on the individual colony. It depends on how many bees they have, how well they can maintain the internal temperatures, their, you know, their subclass or race that they are. Um, some colonies will absolutely completely stop. Other colonies will still have a tiny, tiny little brood patch somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this time of the year, if you if it is warm enough for you to go and do an inspection, if you don't see eggs and larvae, that is not a, a sign to panic. It's not an indication that you don't have a queen. It's an indication that it's winter <laughs> and the bees yeah. are not raising babies on purpose. So well, um, let me ask you this. Go ahead. Uh, and then I'll ask you a question. Well, I was, I was just going to I think the the tail end of that thought is basically just that, you know, if if you do go through and do an inspection, like for your case, Technically, if we were going to do it properly, 
once you do a treatment, you need to turn around when you pull the treatment out, you need to follow up with another mite check to see how effective mm -hmm. the treatment was. Oh, yeah. But now, you know, it's getting so late in the year and it, the temperatures are getting to where they're not that great. Plus, you know, like you, you don't want to necessarily have the hive open for that long going through yeah. trying to find just the right frame and everything else. So that's kind of one of those that, you know, you may just have to unfortunately cross your fingers and hope that the treatments did well, which is not a great thing to say. It's not, not the way that it should be done yeah. because then you, you don't know, was it truly effective and say that colony had 20 mites and, and now it only has two mites per 300 bees, you know? And so therefore, okay, they should be good for the winter or you checked it and they had 20 mites, but now they've still got 15 or they've got 25, you know, and, and they're probably not going to be okay for the winter. Yeah. So, but that's the only way to know that is to, again, get in there and, and do the checks. Now, if you don't find eggs brood or anything and you can't find a queen, is, are they going to go lay in worker this time of year? Well, just because you can't find her again, doesn't mean she ain't there. This means you can't yeah, find her. Well, I know that, you know, but I'm not going to look for, you know, go through it three times to find the queen, but right. will they go lay in worker this time of year? I don't know. I mean, the whole, the whole point of laying yeah. worker is the pheromones not being there and the colony trying to go through and save itself. But mm -hmm. if the entire colony knows there's no incoming food and we shouldn't have any eggs, they're not going to be as prone to wanting to lay mm -hmm. eggs. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they, they can't, and it doesn't mean that they won't go ahead and develop those ovaries and do all the same processes that they would have otherwise, but it doesn't mean either that they're going to actually lay eggs, even though they may have gone laying worker. Okay. So now they ask you another question. If they have gone laying worker, but they're not laying eggs because of the time of year. Once I put a queen in as quick as I can get a queen, Will they kill that queen? Yeah, but see, okay, you're you're coming up with hypothetical things. Well, that, that's what that we are do based here. on no, but they're based on nothing because you can't no. find a queen and you don't know if you can like for somebody who's not good at spotting queens, this is mm -hmm. not a thought path you should be going down because this sets up the scenario of I can't see it, so therefore she must not be there. And that's mm -hmm. not true. It just means you can't see her. And if you've never been good at seeing her, you can't use that as your rationale as to thinking that there's not a queen in a colony. Okay. Right. So I, I don't want you making everybody paranoid and them going through and convincing themselves that they're queenless in the wintertime when the colony doesn't usually have eggs and larvae, especially if that individual is never been able to see their queen and they only rely on finding eggs and larvae because then they're going to have this panic moment and they're going to go through the whole winter, you know, desperately thinking, worried. how can I get a queen and worried and everything else? And that's not the case okay. in, okay. in more than likely if a colony truly goes queenless over the winter early enough in the year, the colony will probably die before they come out of winter. Now, if it was a big colony and they went queenless during the whole winter process, mm -hmm. they may actually go ahead and make it through to the end of the year. Now, if that colony does still, if it is one of those that does still have a small little patch of eggs, mm -hmm. they will go through the process, even though it's cold and there's not necessarily any drones for the queen to mate with, they will go through the process of raising emergency queens. And so mm -hmm. if they do that, I would say like at this time of the year, if you did go through 
again, you shouldn't even be in your hive. So this shouldn't be anything that you yeah. actually know because you're not supposed to be in your hive. You should already be done. Right. And if you were, for whatever reason, because it is warmer down here, but if you were going through your colony at this time of the year and you saw queen cells, leave them alone. Okay. Because you don't necessarily know what happened and that may be their only chance. Now, if they do raise a virgin queen, best case scenario, there's queen pheromones in there. It's cold. They're not going to leave and go mate. That queen may not ever attempt to start laying eggs again because of the timing of the year and the conditions, but her, she's there and she's got some pheromone output. So she yeah. may be able to carry them through to the spring and then go out. Or since it is a little bit warmer, there may still be some drones around and there may be a day warm enough. She may still go off and try to mate. She may not successfully get mated and yep. you know, it, it may not be great, but it may be just enough to get her through the next three or four months because she doesn't have to lay a lot of eggs. And then she'll have that higher pheromone output because she's a fully mated queen or she, well, she's a partially mated queen. Yeah. Um, right. yeah so she'll carry him through and, and then everything will be okay. But but yeah, I mean, in, in the greater scheme of things, like these are these are great hypothetical questions, but the main point to it is these are things that most beekeepers would never know because you are not supposed to be in your colony this time of year, period. In mm -hmm. theory, if you followed the, the proper guideline for your area, once the average daytime temperatures are where they're going to be for this next week, you should already be done. If you were going to be doing any wrapping of colonies, setting up wind blocks, um, you know, if they needed emergency food stores, any of that kind of stuff, you have already prepped. It's already done. You're good. You lock that colony down and you do not touch it except for maybe that midwinter peak where you pop it open sometime in January just to check the emergency food stores and be like, okay, I had six frames. Now I've got five, but five is still plenty. They only used one. We're doing great. Or, yeah. oh my God, they're out of food. I need to go get that fondant or that sugar brick or the candy board and put it on top. And you do that real quick and you walk away. You're not pulling frames out. You're not looking for queens. So these are questions that should never arise or fears and worries that people should never have because, again, you're not supposed to be in your colony. This is the time where you leave them alone, you let them do their thing, and you get a vacation from beekeeping. You know, this is your off season. So. Okay. <laughs> no more scare tactic questions. But we're here to help other beekeepers and that's why i came up with the question <laughs> i don't know if that was helpful or not um <laughs> i i think that was like inciting fear and panic <laughs> is what i felt like that was get their little bitty mask and put on them <laughs> that's right put your masks on um but yeah so so again you're a special scenario here because you're you're running late in this whole thing and mm -hmm. the the colonies you know, you, you have some feeling of where they're at, but again, it, it, you, you put in a treatment. So you did get the treatment in there very, very, mm -hmm. very last minute. Um, mm -hmm. when you go to pull that treatment back out, do your little spot checks. Don't go looking for Queens. You're only yep. looking for food stores. That's it. Yep. Okay. Because ultimately there's not anything you can do now that it's December. Well, it's the last day of November, but now that it's December, there's nothing you can do. If there is no queen there, there's not anything you can do except for potentially combine that colony with another one. 
you know, but in doing so, you're also going to mess up all of the prep work the bees have done because they propolize everything together and they seal up all the little grooves and cracks inside their colony. And the only time they can really work with that propolis is when it's warm enough that the Mm -hmm. propolis becomes somewhat malleable, that they can chew it up and move it and reuse it and, and move it around. When it's colder, it's like glass and it's not mm-hmm. going to be something they can manipulate, but you crack that open. Well, now all those air gaps and everything and light and stuff can get inside the colony and they're no longer prepped and secured for winter. They got to wait till another warm day and then they've got to spend all their energy and resources fixing all of that. Mm-hmm. It's another reason we don't want to open them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, aren't you glad I, I asked these questions? Because now you, <laughs> you've, you've actually had to think this out. <laughs> yeah thinking thinking was not on my agenda for this morning thanks <laughs> that was when you uh like when i said i'll try to come up with a show topic and then by the I time know. the actual show started i was like i still don't have a topic <laughs> my brain did I not want to have plenty of questions yep you got plenty of questions that is for sure oh uh, sure i'm sitting here thinking now I, oh, my swarms across the road, the ones I had over there, I put a gallon in those and within a week they had empty dose. So, uh, those, those swarms are huge. <laughs> I mean, they're huge, but, uh, you know, one of them's got a double deep full of food and bees. And then the other one's got a double and a medium full. And then the other one's got a. What are you deep. meaning by double? Because double deep would insinuate you've got two deep boxes. And that's exactly what I said. So you've got you've got colonies that have three boxes on them right now. No. Because you said a double and a medium. Double, they got double deeps. They got two deeps. Uh huh. Well, I got said, one that's got two <laughs> deeps. You said double and a medium though on the second uh, round. Well, no, I got another one. Oh, I, I got a deep and a medium on those. There we one. go. Okay, that's that makes me feel a little too. bit better. <laughs> then I've got the other swarm. It was a late swarm, and it's only an eight frame deep, and it's plum full. But they took a. They used about three quarters of a gallon. The other two were in the bigger boxes. Maxie says, "Dad, you need to feed the hell out of those." They, they all could use uh, uh, some honey or some sugar. So I poured a gallon in each, and they emptied it in a week. So so I think I, I didn't open them back up. I just poured more sugar in there, and uh, I bet you they're going to be full. <laughs> well, that's the hope. That is definitely the hope. Now, it may not yep. be capped. Keep that in mind because, yeah. again, it's cold, and they mm-hmm. cannot dehydrate properly. One, they can't move as well, right? Mm -hmm. So they've got to get their internal temperatures of the colony up enough that they can, you know, walk around in the ambient temperature, Mm -hmm. not be so cold to make them sluggish. Then they've got to go and actually continue their work to dehydrate that liquid. If the liquid Mm -hmm. gets cold, it's harder Mm -hmm. to dehydrate it because they've got to warm the liquid up before they can actually start that process. So you may end up, you know, finding that you've got two frames of solid capped food stores and then you've got four frames of just open liquid and that's Mm -hmm. that sugar that you've been feeding them um so you know but again all in all that would still mean that you have five or more frames of food and they should in theory be good so yeah 
Yeah, I think we're I think we're in good shape with everything. So, like I said, I didn't get a chance to look. And Maxie's been busy, and yeah, that's where I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> well, ultimately, though, they're they're your bees. No matter what else yeah. happens, it's still ultimately yeah. yours. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the one kicker there. Mm-hmm. So, I've got a. I usually keep at least one colony at the house and I usually have at least one little top bar nuke here at the house that I, I over the winter anyway, um, I kind of use them as like a compass or a gauge for my other colonies Mm -hmm. and they are a little bit more protected obviously because they are right here, but they don't necessarily get any special treatment. So they were, you know, anything that they've got in there is what they've went and they've foraged for. Um, sometimes they do get the luxury of being able to clean up something that may be easily immediately taken home and, and packed away in the pantry, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a day where it looks like it's going to be in the 70s for several days in a row, I may go check them just to see how they're doing and how they did. So, like, after a long cold stretch, I can look at them and say, okay, well this is how much my quote unquote standard colony nuke or whatever used. And then I can kind of use that as a baseline to Mm -hmm. guess, you know, if anything may or may not need to be done out at the main apiary. But for the most part, once it comes wintertime, like I'm done, hands off, walk away. Um, You know, you just hope that you did the best that you could getting them prepped and ready for the season. And then, you know, late February, that's when I start really kind of going back in and getting into gear. Um, again, keeping an eye on the weather and the temperatures and stuff, because for us in February, that is always the worst. That's the most dangerous time for our colonies here is in February because there will be, and, and actually I think last year it ended up being March. Um, but usually in February we will have our coldest snap and it comes out of nowhere um, the temperatures may have already been up into the seventies and, you know, the colonies are like, Hey, it's spring. And they're, yeah. they're rocking and rolling and, and starting to go and they're burning through their food and they're raising babies, which requires a lot more incoming food. And then all of a sudden, bam, the high is 20 degrees for three or four days in a row. And that colony starves, freezes and dies. Mm-hmm. And that's usually kind of our, our scenario. So I will try to go through and check and keep an eye out for that. And if anybody does need those emergency food stores, make sure that they've got it prior to that cold front hitting, you know, but all that means is that you've got to be proactive and, and keep an eye on that long range forecast to kind of see what may be going to happen and, and get something in the window prior to it happening. Because if you give it to them the day before, they can't do anything with that. It's going to already get into that night. It's going to be too cold and the cold front hits. They can't move doesn't matter that you just gave them a whole you know four pound block of sugar or something they can't get to it and so therefore that's not going to help them but if you give it to them you know a week ahead of time they have time while it's still warm to go out there get those food stores build up their energy reserves bring that in you know move it in closer to the colony to where the brood is and things like that so but yeah the rest of the winter it's it's done it's uh it's walk away time it's your your vacation from beekeeping excuse me, except for going through and doing, uh, all your prep (laughs) for the next spring. This is when beekeeping switches over to 
building new hives, fixing up the old hives, scraping them down, repainting them, um, you know, building frames, getting all that stuff prepped and ready to go. That's uh, that is your busy work for the off season. Um, you know, depending on, on kind of what your, your prep and everything is, but even still, I kind of, I reserve that until, you know, maybe mid January, give myself a month to go through before I really start any true beekeeping stuff and, and get everything prepped up. Um, otherwise it's like, no, cause it, it's beekeeping 24 seven up until this point. So when this point gets here, it's like, all right, I need a vacation. <laughs> like I'm done. <laughs> yep. Now tell me this. <laughs> this that was an easy one you're crazy. thank you yeah okay uh i've got plenty of bees i want to raise big colonies of bees i don't want to split my bees should i buy a package your best prices are right now <laughs> Well, I mean, the way you started that whole thing off, the answer is no. There you go. Throw that at you. <laughs> huh? Yeah, the answer is no. It's an easy one. The answer is no. But. Because you're what, you, what you just said bunches. is. You don't want to. I want to raise would... big bunches of bees. Right. But you're just wanting to raise big, healthy colonies. So instead of spreading your resources and spreading mm -hmm. your forage very thin by having more colonies like you did last year. Don't buy any bees. Just raise the colonies you've got because you already said, I have plenty of bees, which means you don't need any more bees. No, plenty of bees in the colonies. No, no, no. You got plenty right. of colonies. So, <laughs> okay. You got plenty of colonies. You do not need to be buying any more bees. You spent a lot I'm of money last year. I got stuff out there. I got so much stuff I need to put bees in. No, you for don't. Next year. No, you don't. Because if you did right, <laughs> And you raise those colonies right, and you had big, strong colonies of bees. Every colony would have multiple boxes on it. You're looking at a, an operation this year where you barely had two boxes, period, which is their normal setup. And some of those got reduced back down to one box. But in reality, you know, like yeah, my biggest, did. strongest colonies, they end up with six boxes on them. So if you had all of your colonies that are remaining big, strong, and healthy, and they all had six boxes on them, you wouldn't nearly have the excess amount of boxes over there that you do today. Right. So okay. just because you have the equipment and you're prepped doesn't mean you need to put stuff in it. Okay. And you said you learned okay. your lesson this year because it was a rough year. You spent a lot of money buying packages, and most of those packages did not make it. So do you really oh want to turn around and repeat six that process? The, or do I want to turn around and get a few more bees since I got other places to put bees <laughs> or all the ones that I've got over there, let them get to building and then split them in a fall split. Okay. Yeah. I'll shut up now. Just, now, now I've just got keep in mind your thinking. fall split happens in the summer. doesn't happen in the fall. That's the yeah, time frame right. when you would do that. Um, you also, again, if you're truly wanting to do a big, strong colony, you're not going to split that colony. And if you are going to split a colony and say, say you've got 10 hives, they're all strong. Mm -hmm. Then you can pick one of those 10 hives. And if it truly is strong and it's got a ton of resources, that one colony could become three or four colonies. You could split mm -hmm. it down to where everybody's just getting two frames, like a frame of food and a frame of brood and requeen them all. But you have to wait until there's queens available. And then mm -hmm. 
you've, you know, you've increased instead of buying four packages or buying four nukes. Well, now you've created four nukes and you do it as soon as the Queens are available and they can go through and raise up and build and grow. And, and then you grow those for the year, not expecting them to do anything except fill up their, their main deep box and call it good. But mm-hmm. ultimately though, you let the rest of them grow and mm-hmm. you let them build and get an actual honey harvest out of them and call mm-hmm. it, you know, call it done on that part. Don't turn around and okay. spend your time. Cause the other thing that you got to keep in mind that a lot of people out there got to keep in mind is you haven't had the time and the resources because you wait and rely on help because there's so many of them. What is adding more going to do to that? It's just going to complicate it, make it worse. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with having 10 or 20 hives. You don't need 50. <laughs> Especially if you can't hardly keep up. You know, here we are coming into winter and you're still trying to get things done that should have been done a month ago. What would happen if you had twice the amount of hives? You'd end up losing half of them. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. But just no buts. You need to take care of the bees that you've got. If you want to try a bee from a different area, then buy a queen from that area. You don't need to get a colony from there. You don't need to get a nuke from there. Um, I had a conversation actually with one of our listeners here recently in regards to that. They had found a gentleman who is famous sort of online, but when you try to look them up, you can only find them in podcast interviews, which I thought was really odd. Um, They have been doing beekeeping for quite a while, but you can't really find anything online about them. And, you know, the question was, is this person valid and legit and should I get bees from them? Well, the answer to that is if you can't find anything about them, that's going to make it a little bit more difficult and tricky. But if you can go visit them and they will allow you to see their operation, then you can make a judgment call as to whether or not you, you know, think that they would have a good stock or that they do good management practices and all that. But if you don't even live in their state and you're nowhere near them and and the, Mm -hmm. the possibility of going and visiting them is completely out of the question, then buying bees Mm -hmm. from them should also completely be out of the question, regardless who they are. You should get your bees from your local stock, get your bees from your region, from your area. That's the best thing to do. And then when you do that, If down the road you do want to try a specific genetic lineage, like if you wanted to try the Minnesota hygienic or the the Varroa sensitive hygienic or a Russian or a Russian carniolan, whatever, buy a queen that is that genetics and then put them in the colony. Because when you get a package of bees, actually even when you get a nuke of bees, the Mm -hmm. package of bees is 300, no, three pounds, sorry, like 9,000. Three pounds. Yeah, it's three pounds of bees, roughly 9,000 bees from multiple different colonies that have all been mixed together. They're not related. They don't know each other. They were literally dumped into a bucket and then dumped into a screened box. Then they take the queen of whatever lineage you wanted and they put that in there with them. And the bees are literally just cannon fodder to help get everything started and going until that queen can get several cycles of brood raised and then you will have the quote-unquote genetic lineage that you wanted. A nuke is the same way. You start off making that split from whatever colony it was, and then you let them get up and get going, and you requeen them with the stock and the lineage that you're marketing and selling that you are going to be putting out there. 
So they may have been that lineage to begin with. They may not have been. They may have been an Italian colony or, you know, a redheaded mutt colony that mm-hmm. started it and got it going. And then you requeen it with the pure genetic line that you want. And then, you know, she has a couple of generations and now most of your population is hers. And as it goes through, it will be hers. But there is no point in spending the money. You know, you can get a queen for $35. A nuke is a nuke is going to cost you, depending on where you're at. If you're one of the lucky folks that is in a state where they have reasonable prices, about $125 to $175. We if don't you're have in a state like then. us, yeah. a package is not even that cheap. Packages are like 200 plus and the nukes are anywhere from 250 to 325, which is absolutely insane. But you can spare yourself that if you've already got access to bees and especially if they're cheaper bees by just getting the queen of whatever lineage it was you wanted to try. Because most of those people, most of them, not all of them, but most of them do sell queens as well. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. So that was my answer was ultimately no. And now (laughs) I can also put something in on that. Uh, many of my, several of my packages, uh, had one bunch at max we mixed together, uh, because they just, both of them, neither one of them was really strong. So he says, dad, he says that colony over there that you're thinking about is, is probably one of your stronger colonies, but this one over here, the queen's not, she doesn't have a good laying prop a pattern she's not doesn't have the number of bees now this was late summer uh, and he says we need you should take that one mix it with that one i'll pull that and then we he needed a queen so he pulled that queen out put it in another half uh they let her stay in there long enough to lay eggs and they got rid of her and now we have a gen 2 off of that queen and she's producing like hell so yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was uh, Corneolans, what it was. The, but, the killing uh, of the queens now, was kind of the mm-hmm. par for the course last year or this yeah, year. Yeah, were. we didn't have good queens at all last year. I would say half the queens that I got off the packages I got were good queens. Well, I told you um, at the the virtual beekeeping event from the, the Texas Beekeepers Association, one of the presenters was Dr. David Tarpey. And Dr. Tarpy has a queen and disease clinic where you can send them, if you're raising queens, you can send them their queens and they'll go through and, you know, obviously you, you lose that queen, but they'll go through and they will run a whole genetic, uh, genetic analysis on them. They will find, you know, um, what their mating, well, how do I want to say that? How well they were mated. Mm-hmm. how many different genetic strands are in there to let them know how many different drones they mated with the viability of the semen from the drones, the viability of the queen, um, all of these different things. And then if you have little attributes that you know about temperament and things like that, they can kind of add that in there as well. And then they will grade that queen and send it back or send back the results and say, well, here, here's, here's what you're doing. If this is a sample of your average stock of Queens that you're raising yourself here's where that falls in the spectrum. And, and it could be really good or it could be really bad. But one of the things that he talked about in one of his presentations was the fact that commercially produced queens are not necessarily that great. And they may not be well-mated. They may have been well-mated to begin with, but they get put into a queen bank and they spend the majority of their life in a queen bank, which means they're in their cage 
and they can't really move and they can't really lay any eggs. They don't. So therefore they kind of atrophy and they shrink down and that's not good and healthy for them either. And so you may get a queen that was a first year queen that was beautiful and fat and robust, but you got her eight months later and now she's not so great. And you know, she's got issues or they weren't properly mated and they had some of the problems that, that we found here. Um, and there's been, we have, we have local queen breeders around in the area and the general consensus to pretty much everybody that I have spoken to in the last two years, all of them are like, man, when I buy a queen from XYZ, it is tiny, 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 skinny little girl. But when my colony raises a queen, yeah. But see, like my colonies, when they raise a queen, that newborn virgin queen yeah. comes out of her cell already yeah. twice the size yeah. of the supposedly fully mated amazing queen yeah. that comes from that breeder. And if you're letting your colony choose the queens on their own, they're also picking genetic attributes that they can sense and detect that they know is a better royal lineage or a, a better queen material than just us forcefully saying here's your eggs make queens out of them they're going and saying this egg out of all the hundreds around it this egg right here has the best genetic profile to make a queen and because of all those different attributes that could very well be the colonies trying to rectify that and balance that we buy this queen we put her in there see she seems fine she lays a whole slew of eggs and as soon as they get them laid they turn around and kill her and immediately raise an emergency queen off of her because in some way genetically health wise mating wise in some way she was inferior and they needed the option to select the right genetic line and then take that out and and try to get that mated so there's a lot to be said about you know trying to do things on your own use your own bees do your own splits raise your own queens let the bees make the choices and, you know, you'll end up with healthier colonies, hopefully, in the long run by doing that. And they're more adapt to your area as well. Now, we have a Gen 2 Italian that they raised on our own. We put a, a, an Italian in there, Italian queen uh, from out west, and put her in there. And she laid good. Like I said, she filled a, a deep frame full of eggs. And they ousted her. I mean, they did away with her. And then next time we went in there, they had six queen cells. Max left two queen cells in there and let them raise their own queen. And when she got out and this was late, I know you're th- I know you, you remember when we called you and said, is it too late? And he said, well, see what happens. Uh, apparently she went out, got mated and come back and, laying like hell and uh so but they are a little testy but he's got another italian bunch and I, we have a bunch of italians but another italian now they're just the most docile laid-back bees you ever did see then i have two colonies that were swarms that we requeened to italians and one of them is just laid back as they can be. And the other one, uh, they're good bees. <laughs> they're the ones that stung the hell out of me, but, uh, oh, well, on my chin. And, uh, uh-huh. so yeah, 
uh, they're not as mean as they were, but they're not as, they're still not the laid back other, you know, bees that we have that are from the same bunch. So I don't know. I'm not going to worry about it. There we got, we got bees and they seem to be doing well and everybody's happy. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'll quit. There you go. Well, that, that sounds like a perfect place to wrap it up. <laughs> Unless I think of something else. No, no, no. I think we're good. Okay. Okay. We're good. Yeah, we're good. You've, uh, you've done your brainstorming for the day <laughs> for the, for the hour. Anyway, I'm sure yeah. you'll, as so, soon as, as soon as we stop, you'll be like, Oh, <laughs> so main thing is up North, they need to have that. They, they should have, there's already buttoned down, sacked up, put away, whatever here right. in Texas. They shouldn't be doing like me and doing the last damn thing right at the end. But, uh, but I am the person that they're supposed to be looking at. So I'm not going to be like Ken. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, normally I would have had all this stuff done. Wouldn't, wouldn't be asking John this. I'm just making sure that y'all understand that this is not the way you're supposed to be doing it. <laughs> How do you like that one? There you go. <laughs> that works. <laughs> Well, everybody, I hope that you had a wonderful holiday uh, week, weekend, season, whatever. I, I know mm -hmm. it's really Thanksgiving for us is just kind of kicking it off and Christmas and New Year's and all that fun stuff is on the way. But hopefully you were safe and everybody is healthy and we, uh, we've got a few more main segment episodes for the year. And then we will probably take a, a little bit of time off to regain our sanity towards the the tail end of the year like we did last year around the the Christmas and New Year's time frame. Um, but we'll have a couple more episodes out there for you guys. And the next episode coming up is going to be uh, the live listener Q&A where we can go through and uh, we'll use the Podbean live system and go okay. out there and do a live listener Q&A. So be watching for that on social media. Uh, we will put a post out there that will tell you about it, and it will give the um, the link to it is going to be a little bit more tricky to actually do that. But we will tell you the time and, uh, and how that's going to be happening. But you'll need the Podbean Live app, and you can put that on your phone or your computer, either one. And uh, when you're on Podbean, Go look for the Hive Jive, and you can also look for Hive Jive Live, and all of those kind of come back to the Hive Jive. But uh, then whenever we do go live and we're out there and ready to broadcast, the app will notify you guys that we are doing a live show, and you can listen in. If you're joining from your computer, all you can do is listen. Uh, it might let you chat via text where you can type into the text box. Um, but if you're on your phone and you have a headset with a mic in it that you can plug into your phone, it will allow you to call in so you can actually physically ask your questions as opposed to typing them in a chat box. So it's uh, it's kind of fun. It's kind of entertaining and everything. Um, but we will we will be putting one of those out there. So be looking for that. And until we talk to everybody again, be good. Y'all be good. And I need some Vira Bombra honey. Carabombra. <laughs> Ain't happening, no, man. By the way, that, uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, sourwood honey was damn good, too. <laughs> uh-huh. 
It's, a, it's all gone. I'm, I know we're done. Family, y'all be safe, be healthy, stay well, and uh, stay warm. It's fixing to start getting cold. Well, y'all up north are. Well, we're going to have a day or two of it here. We'll have our winter. Y'all be ha- safe, be healthy, keep the shiny side up and the rubber side down. Y'all be good, family. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret. The Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening and be safe out there.